the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As my dad used to say, cheer down. That's what a lot of people are telling the women on the U.S. soccer team at the World Cup. Uh, they beat Thailand 13 to nothing yesterday, and that was impolite enough. Uh, but they also got really excited and celebrated after all 13 goals. And apparently the women on Thailand's team had some hurt feelings. Uh, some people have suggested that the U.S. team should have cut Thailand some slack and, you know, just kicked it around for a while, stopped trying to score after it got out of hand. The problem with that is uh, that goal differential counts for something in the World Cup, from what I'm told, so you can never score too many goals. I know this because I just read it somewhere. I have exactly the same amount of interest in the Women's World Cup as I have in the men's, and that would be <clears throat> zero, okay? I don't care about or like soccer, uh, no matter where in the world it's being played. I don't watch it ever. But uh, this has become a major point of discussion that goes beyond sports. And that's the kind of sports story that I like to deal with here. You've noticed that if you've been listening for the past almost year we've been doing this show now. Uh, you know, play better. Uh, and I have no sympathy for teams whose feelings get hurt because they were on the wrong side of a blowout uh, in any sport. Play better or quit. Take your lumps, go home, get better, and come back. Or don't play against teams you have no business playing, which may have been the case with Thailand. You'll have to talk to the World Cup people about that, about why a team was in there that was so uh, overmatched. I don't know how that works, but and whether Thailand is always that bad, I have no idea. But 13 to nothing, I know that's a lot of goals in soccer. I don't know much about soccer. 13 is a lot. But the, the big controversy isn't about the game as much as it is about how much the U.S. women are being paid or not being paid. This may shock you, uh, but they're not being paid as much as the men. Of course, they don't generate the revenue that the men do, but nobody wants to hear that. Sally Jenkins, uh, a very good columnist for the Washington Post, who's been a guest on this show, by the way, wrote a piece about it today. And the headline reads like this. The U.S. women's national team is an American treasure Pay them a bounty. She says she, quote, I also don't want to hear another word about the bigger size of revenue in the Men's World Cup. And she writes, the women's program is the entire backbone and inspiring force of soccer in the United States. I, I you know, I, I, she says that. I don't know. But here's what uh, Deborah Slaner Larkin, who is the uh, works as she's with the National Women's Sports Foundation, said. We shouldn't keep deciding who's more important, our sons or our daughters, our husbands or our wives. People should be treated equally. I don't guess that's true, but, you know, no mention there of the revenue. Anyway, of course, if sons produce more viewers than daughters and sell more tickets, sons are going to get paid more. That's kind of the way it works. Brad Palumbo also wrote a piece about this today for the Washington Examiner. His headline says, no, it isn't sexist that women's World Cup teams don't get equal pay. Brad will be here when we come back. Stick around, or in this case, kick around. It's like you hit me in the face with a soccer ball. You hit me in the face with a soccer ball. I said, baby, oh, you broke my heart. It's like you hit me in the face with a soccer ball. Okay, meat lovers, Beef Jerky Outlet presents over 100 delicious ways to get your snack on. There's nothing slim about these big flavors. This is high-end quality gourmet jerky in more flavors than you've ever thought possible. From wild game to pepper and spice to sweet and savory, there's something for everyone. Flavors like honey jalapeno, Cajun barbecue beef brisket, sweet bourbon traditional, Asian sesame, teriyaki, cherry maple, and peppercorn smoked beef, just to name a few. With Father's Day coming up, this is a total no-brainer for the guy in your life. Visit BeefJerkyOutlet.com for fabulous gift ideas. 
Plus, check out their phenomenal selection of rubs, sauces, and marinades. Beef Jerky Outlet at Tanger Outlets in Washington and their brand new location at Grove City Outlets. Beef Jerky Outlet, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday right here on the John Stoggerwald Show. Check them out, beefjerkyoutlet.com. We've been telling you about something called Miracles in Moon for a few weeks here, and uh, the president and CEO, Mike Magolik, joins us. Thanks for having us, John. We appreciate all the support. Mike, your son has a genetic disorder that makes him someone who will appreciate this field, right? Yeah, that's correct. Our youngest son, Luke, has a rare genetic disease called 5P-. About 30 to 35 kids a year in the U.S. are born with it. Wow, that's all. Um, Yeah, so the main reason that we're building this field with the help of the community is that we want everyone to have a team everyone to use a restroom with the dignity that they deserve mm-hmm. and have families to have a safe place to play. You're not getting any federal taxpayer money here, right? So this is all donations that's going to get this thing done? Yeah, that's correct. Everyone talks about how great Pittsburgh is and our board can definitely feel that because the money that we've raised, close to $2 million, has been from individuals, companies, and foundations. And if you'd like to see how you can help, please go to the website. Check it out at miraclesinmoon.org. Miraclesinmoon.org. Are you about to pay double for roof replacement or repair? If you haven't called Windows or Us, you just might. Many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for siding, doors, gutters, downspouts, and roof replacement and repair. Factory certified by North America's largest roof manufacturer, Windows R Us will never overcharge. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months on up to 20 thousand dollars windows are us will match any competitor's price no hidden fees or surprises ever schedule a free roof inspection today mention am 1250 for an exclusive 10 percent off why pay double visit the area's premier exterior replacement company windows are us more than a window company visit windows are us pittsburgh.com it's time to stand with israel Consider the lifelong impact of joining The Answers, Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher on the Stand with Israel Tour this December 2nd through 11th. More than a vacation, this journey will guide you through centuries of faith and culture as you visit iconic places right out of Scripture. Along the way, your hosts will broadcast on-site while you watch and participate. Together with like-minded travelers, you'll see over 40 iconic sites during the 10-day tour where you can pray at the Western Wall in Old City, Jerusalem, float in the Dead Sea, and take a boat out onto the water of the Sea of Galilee. Have you ever wanted to walk inside the Garden Tomb? Register today for the Stand with Israel Tour this December 2nd through 11th. Just go to our website for more details and registration information at theanswerpgh.com slash Israel. That's theanswerpgh.com slash Israel. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The Answer. So, are the women on the U.S. soccer team underpaid? And more to the point, are they underpaid because they aren't paid as much as the guys on the men's team? That's being debated around the country right now. It's more of a political issue, actually, than a sports issue. Uh, Brad Palumbo is a commentary writer at the Washington Examiner, and he joins us now. Brad, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me on. So, nobody's disputing that there's a, a huge difference in how much the two are paid. So the question is, do the women have a legitimate gripe? Well, I think that there is an argument to be made that maybe the women deserve a raise, the Women's World Cup teams. Maybe they are a little bit underpaid right now, but the argument that they should be paid the same as the men, to me, it doesn't make any sense. You see, uh, treating people equally means evaluating everyone on their merits. It doesn't necessarily mean giving everyone the same. And the Men's World Cup uh, boasts about three times the viewership Almost half the world watched the men's 2018 World Cup. Ultimately, entertainment is about viewership numbers, so the men deserve to be paid more. Yeah, uh, and so is this a case of some people not understanding the, the correlation between revenue produced and money earned or deserved? Well, it's another case where we see kind of the identity politics and feminist element of it essentially overpowers the facts on the ground. Right, because the narrative here is that it's sexist. We've just heard equal pay, equal work over so many times, and you're not allowed to question it, or you just get branded as 
sexist or not caring or whatever it is that week. And that's the problem is it pushes people to overlook um, the facts. The other reason that this is going on is because the argument that the men should be paid more also relies on a very politically incorrect truth, that there are differences between men and women. And in 2019, that is a controversial thing to say. And in reality, we have to acknowledge that the women's U.S. soccer team is amazing for the women's, for the women's international competition. They're ranked in the top uh, three, but they got beat by U15 boys in a scrimmage, 5-2. to two. So we have to acknowledge that there's a difference between how men and women play soccer and pay scales can reflect that difference, and it's not always sexist. Yeah, and so you have that in your piece. Uh, it's, a, it's a 15 and under team that played the U.S. women's team and beat them 5-2? to two? Yeah, it, it's an academy team from FC Dallas, I believe. So it's an MLS youth team of under 15-year-old boys, so 15, 14, uh, and they scrimmaged. The, it was just a scrimmage, to be fair. Yeah. But they played the U.S. Women's World Cup team, and they beat them 5-2. to two. That tells you that there are differences between men and women physically uh, that sometimes manifest in soccer outcomes. So, uh, to me, that explains why you see some of these pay disparities at the top levels of athletics. Um, yeah, I know. The same thing could be said about basketball. Um, you know, women's, the, the UConn basketball team beats everybody. Didn't beat everybody this year, I guess. I, I, I think they, I don't think they won it. Um, anyway, um, you know, I, I say to people that my, my JV basketball team would beat them. And uh, I didn't play basketball, but the, the, the guys who did when I was in high school a million years ago, when I think of the five guys who played on that team, there's just no way that that team would beat them. And they were, they were 15, 16 years old. It's just yeah, the way it I is. I don't know about that specific matchup. Maybe they give you a run for your money, but it is absolutely true that men and women in head-to-head athletic competitions in some sports, men have a physical advantage. And they measure men's World Cup uh, TV audiences by the billions, don't they? The men's, anyway. Yeah, the men's World Cup, uh, based off the 2018 numbers, had 3.6 billion total viewers. Almost half the world tuned in to watch at least some part of the tournament. Then the final match, it had 1.1 billion uh, people watching. So that brought the tournament sponsor, FIFA, that brought them in $6 billion in revenue. Now, the Women's World Cup is great. I've been watching games. I bet a lot of your listeners have, too. But it can't boast those same kind of figures. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's not it, the there's nothing that's watched more than when men's World Cup soccer, any sport ever. Yeah, internationally, it's definitely number one. I mean, it, it blows the Super Bowl away. Yeah, it does. I know I, I, I'm more of a fan of the World Cup than the Super Bowl. <laughs> so you're a soccer fan? Yep, absolutely. MLS and English League. Okay, so uh, see, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I, I'm. I'm so old, uh, and we're talking to Brad Palumbo. He's a uh, commentary writer at the Washington Examiner. I'm so old that when I was a kid and uh, growing up here in Pittsburgh, uh, I did not know one person who played soccer. Not one. Not I mean, wow. when I say not one kid, I also didn't know anybody who played hockey or lacrosse. So those things have all that's that's all changed, you know. And I'm, I, I sure as I sure didn't know any girls who played anything. You know, that's how, I mean, that's, that's, I'm, I'm talking about the 60s, you know. But um, so that, that's the, the, the women have been um, trying to, uh, I don't equal what the men get in, in attention and revenue. And it's just not going to happen until in some, uh, some way women become as good at the sports as the men do, as the men are, because it's just not going to happen. They're just not as entertaining. They're not. They're not as fun to watch. So, uh, is it a, a, uh, an inability to admit that? Well, it's politically incorrect these days to acknowledge that there are physical differences between men and women, to right. between females and males, that aren't going away, and that will forever mean that at the top level of athletics, in certain ways, men are going to be faster, men are going to be stronger, and in soccer, that manifests itself as that the top U.S. men's soccer teams 
are, in my opinion, is not going to change anytime soon, that they could blow the women's teams away. And as long as that's true, we can pay the women's teams more, we can watch them, we can support them, but we can't pretend that everything has to be equal and bury our, our heads in the sand as to the actual facts on the ground. What do you think the reaction would be from the women's team if, a, if they lost a match because uh, a transgender woman uh, scored a bunch of goals against them in an international, you know, in one of these games? Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't know that um, we've seen any test cases of that to date, but it does raise, I think, some serious questions about um, fairness when you have biological uh, people who are, were biologically male uh, competing in, in women's sports. So I think that's something that they will have to handle at some point, and it could present complications. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's coming to it's coming to all sports um, soon. And it's already here in some, but it's, it's going to be everywhere soon. Well, Sally Jenkins of the Washington Post, I'm sure you're familiar with her. She wrote a column today, and she says she doesn't want to hear about the bigger revenues for men's soccer. She says the women's program, I'm glad, I'm glad you've said that you're a... Um, uh, a, a soccer fan, too, because I know nothing about soccer, so um, you're a good person to ask this. She says she doesn't want to hear about the bigger revenues for men's soccer. She says the women's program is the entire backbone and inspiring force of soccer in the United States. What do you, how do you think? What do you think about that? I think that that is a exaggeration for sure. I mean, I do think the women's World Cup team for the United States is very good. You know they've won the they've won the tournament. They've been ranked in the top three, and I think they are certainly an inspiration to a lot of people. But she's definitely overselling it there. Um, after all, there's no significant professional women's soccer outside of the international competitions, right? But there's no professional league like you're thinking NFL or MLS. There's no real equivalent with the women's uh, in the United States, whereas there is a league, a professional league that is somewhat widely followed, um, Major League Soccer for the men's, so I think that that puts the lie to her statement that it's women leading the pack. Yeah, uh, and um, as, as a soccer follower yourself, what has the women's soccer uh, team's success done for soccer in general? Just the, well, has, it, has it been, I don't mean, I don't mean like soccer interest as much as I mean soccer participation. Well, I'd be willing to bet that them winning and being at the top level has helped boost a lot of um, young girls out there, mm -hmm. the women's U.S. team doing it and signing up to play themselves. So that's always a good thing. You know, this entire argument is not about, oh, no one cares about the women's team. We don't like them. We do. It's just that we have to be intellectually honest, and I refuse to bury my head in the sand just because it's politically correct and what the feminists want us to say uh, and say that everything has to be equal when the facts on the ground just aren't the same. Yeah, she said it's unfair to go by uh, men's World Cup ratings and revenue because she points out the men didn't even qualify for the tournament the last time. And so I guess her argument is that the women are carrying soccer right now because the men failed. I'm talking about internationally, well, you know. She's absolutely right that the U.S. men's team is not so good. And I think we would all like to see that improve. But where I think that uh, this Washington Post op-ed gets off base is that, yes, maybe it's true. The women's obviously make the tournament, and the men's did not this last time. But all around, the men's revenue over a 10-, 15-year span absolutely outpaces the women's revenue by miles. And viewership in, in many times does as well. Now, men uh, can make, as you point out in your piece, that they can make money playing in pro leagues here in the United States in between World Cups, but, but women barely get by. Um, so how they, they, are get, they are paid, though, something, because these, these women couldn't, couldn't exist uh, unless they have to be getting, they have to be uh, making a living somehow between World Cups. Uh, to, to be able yeah. to play in, in more than one World Cup, you've got four years in between, right? So uh, how are they getting by? So that's the reason that the U.S. Soccer Federation pays women an annual salary as part of the international team when men are only paid during the tournaments and, and such times because they have that fallback professional income. And you know what? Maybe what we're paying the women uh, international athletes right now isn't enough. Maybe it should be more. They have done well. 
but it's a total stretch uh, for people to be arguing that it has to be the same as the men. In reality, maybe a modest raise is what is um, most called for here. Well, two things. What what would what kind of money would uh, aside from endorsements, which I'm sure they they make they have a chance to make some pretty good bucks with that. But aside from that, what kind of money would some uh, a member of this team make in between World Cups and being paid by the Federation? Uh, well, you're talking about a modest salary. I don't know the exact amount because it depends on the player. You know, some of the more high-profile ones uh, would be getting large sums, but I think maybe some of the more average players might be getting sixty thousand a year, a ballpark in that area, and maybe it should be more. Um, but we have to remember the men don't get any annual salary in that same vein uh, from the from the federation. So it is, uh, I think, a complicated situation when you don't have a women's league. But the solution is not to just blindly pretend that they have to be paid the same as the men. How uh, how is the soccer federation funded? Where does that money come from to pay the women? You know that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not quite sure off the top of my head. Uh, I do know that the uh, Women's World Cup pays cash prizes, as does the Men's World Cup. Uh, and so the women uh, probably bring in a fair amount of, of the revenue themselves because the Women's World Cup in 2019, for example, will dole out a total in $4 million in cash prizes. Yeah, but uh, does the Federation make uh, – does the World Cup contribute at all to that? I, I honestly, I, okay. I couldn't tell you exactly how those finances work behind the scenes. Well, it's not government, is it? The the, the, the soccer federation is not taxpayer funded. I hope. I actually think that it is. Ooh. I think that because it is like an Olympic style team. Okay, it is for the country. Don't quote me on that, yeah. but I think it is. I'll check it out. Um, uh, so um, I, I wanted to ask you about something else, and we're talking to Brad uh, Palumbo. He is a commentary writer at the Washington Examiner. I was just Googling around to see if you had written any other sports stories or anything on this subject, and I came across a, uh, a headline. I'm just going to ask you about it because I, I don't know you, and this is the first we've spoken. Uh, it's from WEEI in Boston. It says Thursday, June 21st. I'm assuming that's last year because what's today, like the 11th or something? It says... Uh, Gay conservative columnist Brad Palumbo on why he's boycotting Pride. I was just this this being Pride Month and all that stuff. Uh, I was just curious as to what that was all about. Yeah, absolutely. So that's referencing a column I wrote in June of 2018, so okay. last year. Mm -hmm. uh, that's still actually just circulating now again this month, this June for Pride Month. And essentially, what it was is it was my perspective as a vocally um, a vocally conservative. Uh, gay man, that the Pride Month and the Pride Movement in its current form, it tends to do more harm than good for two main reasons. One is that it is hypersexualized in many instances. You know, you go to some of these rallies and you see people in really revealing outfits. Yep. You see mm -hmm. them with dildo-shaped balloons. You see ridiculousness that unfortunately just plays into the stereotypes and caricatures that people still have of gay people as sexual deviants. Right. You really don't want to be reinforcing those bad narratives if you're actually trying to accomplish something positive. The other main reason uh, that I don't participate and have criticized the Pride festivities is that they're hyper-political. You know, you go to these rallies and you see pro-abortion paraphernalia, you see gun control signs, and it, it, some of these rallies have even banned Republican and pro-Trump gay groups from attending. So all in all, that's why I don't want anything to do with them, and I've been vocal about that in the past. Um, and I know that um, I, I would I shouldn't I shouldn't say I know. I'm going to guess that you don't uh, you would not be happy with people assuming that there's a monolithic um, group out there of gay men or women that you all think the same about things like this. So are you in a small minority to be against this well, pride movement? It certainly is a minority, but it is like you're saying, gay people are not a political monolith, and we do all have our own opinions, and we're individuals. And that's the problem with this progressive pride movement, is it basically erases the fact that 
not all gay people support abortion. Not all gay people support gun control. And they're painting it as if it's all this big progressive movement where everything's hey, lumped into one. Hey, Brad. In reality. Hey, Brad, I'm out of time. I'd like to talk to you about it again, but I'm up against a hard break. i got to go. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for having me on. All right. We'll be- With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The House Oversight Committee under Congressman Elijah Cummings has voted 24 to 15 to hold Attorney General William Barr and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross in contempt. The news comes after President Trump asserted executive privilege over documents related to the Trump administration's decision to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census. The leader of Japan is visiting Iran to warn that an accidental conflict could be sparked amid heightened tensions between Iran and the U.S., Prime Minister Shinsu Abe delivered that message just hours after Yemen's Iranian-backed Houthi rebels attacked an airport in Saudi Arabia, wounding 26 people. Abe's trip is the highest-level effort yet to de-escalate the crisis as Tehran appears poised to break the 2015 nuclear deal. A down day on Wall Street as the Dow dropped 44 points, the Nasdaq dropped 30. This is SRN News. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. When it comes to your pain, many of you might be skeptical, like I was, about ordering Relief Factor. Pat Boone again for this wonderful 100% drug-free supplement designed to help your own body lower or eliminate occasional aches and pains due to aging, exercise, everyday living. I'm not skeptical any longer. The three-week quick start is now discounted to only $19.95. Why don't you let us see if we can get you out of pain, too, at relieffactor.com. The John Steigerwall Show. A New Jersey politician wants to ban all bags, paper, and plastic. The legislation would ban food service businesses and other retailers from providing their customers with plastic bags. The bill would also ban plastic straws. Violators would be fined anywhere from $500 to $5,000, depending on the number of offenses. You go to the supermarket, you can't put your stuff in a plastic bag or a paper bag. You're supposed to hold out your shirt. The John Steigerwall Show. Weekdays at 5 on AM 1250. The Answer. Here is your new Pella Lifestyle window when open. Here it is, closed. The new Pella Lifestyle series is the number one performing wood window and patio door for sound control, energy efficiency, and value. Keep the outside noise outside. More peace and better rest for your family. Exceptional noise control for a quieter home. For a limited time, get 20% off your entire project or 18 months, no payments, no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. Hunt Associates is your resource for examining the important financial aspects for your retirement plan. Listen to our podcast radio show, Hunt for Retirement, by visiting gwhunt.com. On this week's edition of Hunt for Retirement, we discuss securing lifetime income. Text HUNT to 555-888 or visit gwhunt.com to listen to the podcast now or call 844-366-HUNT for a free copy of the book, Income Allocation and a Free Retirement Income Report. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Community Bank. City Mission. Number One Cochrane. Highmark Stadium. Peters Township Community Center. Angelo's Restaurant. What do all these businesses have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full-service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for business. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. 
Looks like plenty of volume on the inbound Parkway West, Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound also slowing down Banksville Road to Carnegie. Parkway East slowing down outbound Forbes Avenue to Edgewood Swiss Vale. At least an extra 10 minutes there. Inbound not doing quite as badly. Do have a slowdown outbound 28 Veterans Bridge to 48th Street Bridge. 380 and Penn Hill still shut down with a crash between Tilford Road and Twin Oak Drive. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Becoming cloudy tonight with a couple of showers developing after midnight, low 57. Mostly cloudy and cooler tomorrow with a few showers and even a thunderstorm. Any thunderstorm could even produce some small hail. High tomorrow, 67. A leftover shower early tomorrow night, lows near 50. Then Friday, mostly sunny with a refreshing breeze. Highs near 70. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Now, Bernie Sanders is not going to be president, but that doesn't mean he won't have a lot of influence on who runs against Donald Trump in 2020. Bernie can't open his mouth um, without whining about income inequality as if it ever was equal. And a big part of his argument for a, is for a $15 minimum wage. You can be sure whoever gets the nomination will be singing that song. But it's a dumb idea that never works. And Doug Holtz Eakin is a former director of the Congressional Budget Office, John McCain's former economic advisor, and a former economics professor. He's also president of the American Action Forum, and he joins us now. Doug, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So I think the Democratic candidates for president, um, all 37 of them, um, seem to be <laughs> u- unanimous on the minimum wage, and the magic number seems to be $15 an hour. Is this a popular idea because people genuinely think it'll work, or do you think it's because it's probably the easiest policy to demagogue, or maybe a little bit of both? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, it's been popular for quite some time. The, the fight for 15 is a nationwide effort that we've seen over the past at least five years. And in a number of states, there have been ballot initiatives with this uh, on the ballot, and, and they pass. So. Uh, whatever economists might think about this, the public likes it. Yeah, I, I heard a, a, one of the candidates just the other day say that the, the people uh, want a $15 minimum wage. It might, it might have been Bernie Sanders, and he was basing that on a poll or something. I said, well, why don't you ask them if they'd like $50 minimum wage? And of course they want it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and it's great to have a $15 minimum wage if you have a job, and that's always been the kicker. Uh, will the same people have jobs if you have a $15 minimum wage? And all of the evidence in the research literature is no. Uh, you're going to hurt the capacity of some people to hire. But, you know, if if you are opposed to it, you are portrayed by the people who are pushing it as not caring about people having a living wage. Yes, but I think that's not quite fair. Uh, think about what happens when you, you have a minimum wage and you raise it to $15. Um, there will be somebody out there probably somebody who doesn't have a lot of skills, maybe not a lot of education or experience, and they won't get hired. So we will have taken that money from someone who probably really needs a job. They're inexperienced, unskilled, poorly educated, and given that money to someone who has a job. Does that make sense? Uh, no. Uh, at the American Action Forum, you've determined that the increases in 2018, it says here, will end up costing 261,000 jobs. That's just the the increases, uh, I guess, across different states. Uh, where, how did they come up with that number? The, there's a large research literature of uh, economists looking at states, municipalities, nations who have raised their minimum wage, and you look primarily at the hiring decision. You don't really lay a bunch of people off when the minimum wage goes up. You find a way to hold on to your workers, but you don't hire any new ones. And so on average, you can sort of figure out for every percentage increase in minimum wage what, what the reduction in hiring will be. The statistical average is what we used for that. To put that in perspective, that's about two months' worth of hiring at rates that we're likely to see in in 2019. So it's good to have an economy that's generating a lot of jobs and making a minimum wage hike largely unnecessary. Wages are going up anyway. But do you really want to give away two months? That's the question. Yeah, and uh, and then it's I think uh, the minimum wage laws that have already been passed – and the, the ones that are being phased in, you've determined they're going to cost 1.7 million jobs. That's a lot of jobs. That's a lot of jobs. And that's because 
many of those were, were put in place when the economy wasn't nearly as strong as it is right now. You know, it's, it's growing much more rapidly than it was even in 2016. Uh, many of them were put in place in places like Seattle and uh, Washington, D.C. and other large municipal areas where what will happen is businesses will just move outside the city uh, borders and, and do the hiring there. And so you get much more dramatic effects at those local levels. I think that happened in Seattle. I just saw a story the other day that um, somebody did a study just on Seattle and the, and the minimum wage increase just killed them. Uh, there's a, you know, an, one of the interesting things about the Seattle experience is they actually passed the law and they also funded the University of Washington, which is in Seattle, to study what happened. And the bad news is when they did study it, they concluded that it did hurt employment. And for those people who were actually um, in Seattle, they didn't make as much money with the minimum wage increase because they cut back their hours. So you've got less jobs, and for the people having jobs, you've got less in the way of income. Um, and, you know, what, what annoys me is that, um, that, that the, the people who are pushing this, and I'm talking about the politicians, the, one, the ones who are out front, and in this case, because of where we are in, the, uh, in politics, it's the Democratic candidates. Uh, I, I don't think Bernie Sanders has ever run a popsicle stand, or, and I don't know that he could. <laughs> uh, it, it's a fair it's a fair criticism uh that that's true across the board in politics making promises that you don't really understand the significance of T- to me it's not an interesting question that would you like to be paid more everyone's going to say yes of course the question is what's a good way to, to pay people more and we have a good way already called the earned income tax credit which says that if you work you get additional help for every dollar that you make. It incentivizes people to get jobs. It incentivizes them to make more money. It doesn't stop people from getting jobs and preclude them from making money. So how you do this matters as much as saying, do you want to make more? Yeah, and um, in the case of Bernie, he he tweets about Walmart or McDonald's about once a day, and he, he always will point out how much the CEOs are making compared to the average worker, and he'll say, uh, you can afford to pay your workers more. It's you know, and, and just absolutely trashing the whoever the CEO happens to be for allowing people to work for what he calls starvation wages while he's making twenty two million dollars a year. Is he really that dumb, or is he just that much of a demagogue? Again, is it a little bit of both? I think in politics, uh, things that work are things like fear and anger, and that's designed to make people angry. It's detached from the economics of the argument. The economics of the argument are where the jobs are, and that's in small businesses across the United States. Many of those McDonald's are franchises. They make their own decisions about who to hire and and how Mm -hmm. to handle their employees, and that's where people will or will not get jobs, and it doesn't really matter what the the sort of language is about these large, rich people, and that's not going to matter. And I had somebody tell me just the other day uh, during a discussion about minimum wage, he said, "I, I went to McDonald's just a little while ago, and I ordered everything at a kiosk. Well, that's what happens if you get it really badly out of line. I mean, businesses who have been thinking about modernizing, thinking about uh, automating, thinking about doing something different, they say, okay, this is, our, this is the time to do it. When was the last time you talked to a bank teller? When was the last time you talked to an airline reservation clerk? When did you last time you, you know, yeah. uh, talked to someone at a fast food restaurant? But that, that just accelerates that. And those are the, the people most likely to be hurt. Those who work in eating and drinking places, retail sales, typically characterized by lesser skills, lower education, less experience. And I thought it was interesting. And, 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 the, and no. the one crowd that's really badly been hurt, I mean, just to, to complete that thought, teenagers. Teenagers oh, yeah. used mm-hmm. to be able to get jobs, and, and they, it's just uh, almost impossible now. Uh, and it's also, I think it's also just based anecdotally anyway from my own experience, uh, I think it's also hard to find teenagers who want a job. <laughs> I hate to say that. I mean, <laughs> there's a little bit of both going on with that. Um, I've had two of those. I understand the sentiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I had a guy a long, well, but probably 15 years ago. He he had a supermarket. It was not a big chain, but he had a nice store. And he, this was 15, 20 years ago. He told me, he said, I, I can't find anybody to work. And he said, when I find a kid to work, uh, and he's supposed to be here at four, they show up at 20 after, and they they don't get it. They don't understand that that's not how it works. And they don't understand why I'm upset. He's only 15 minutes late. And they went out of business. So, I mean, I don't know if that's why, but I, I always think of that when I think about teenagers getting jobs. I, I worked in a supermarket when I was a kid, and I I made a dollar twenty-five an hour. That was 100 years ago, but uh, that was higher than the minimum wage back then. 
and uh, it was a job that people would kill for because it paid well. But I don't think that's happening now. But you know, it's probably again, it's a combination of both. I guess um, I I thought it was interesting that seventy five percent of the jobs that, uh, according to the American Action for, uh, Forum, uh, according to them, that seventy five percent of them will be lost in New York and California, where the Democrats. They could run uh, Bernie's wife for president, and she'd win. Yeah, and you know it's a combination of extremely high uh, minimum wages, large populations of folks with lesser skills and lesser educations, and you know the capacity of people to move. So those states will give away those jobs. And you know, to go back to your point, there's a uh, a harder to quantify, more serious impact on people's careers, which is if you don't learn those lessons as a teenager, show up be on time, finish the job, go home. When do you learn them? Well, you wait until later, and then the minimum wage goes up even higher, and you'll end up with this big barrier to getting into the labor force, learning the things you need to be successful, and hurting your career as a whole. Like, you just don't see people climbing the ladder the way they should. And and if I'm the owner of a business, I'm not real anxious to pay a kid $15 an hour who doesn't see it's a big deal to show up 15 minutes late, because he hasn't learned that yet. they they say fifteen dollars an hour because that doesn't sound that bad. How about thirty thousand bucks a year? That's for right. That's right. I said all the time. Money. I said all the time. I said nobody's paying anybody thirty thousand dollars a year to flip hamburgers. It's just not going to happen. Now they'll say, well, that's not just one person, but it's still thirty thousand bucks a year. If you pay two kids fifteen dollars an hour, and they were each worth twenty, you're still paying thirty thousand dollars a year for a hamburger flipper. And uh, yeah, and what do you think it's going to cost to automate flipping the hamburgers? Not much. And, you know that that. That that's that's the realistic choice facing a lot of business owners, and so you don't just lose some jobs; you lose a whole category of jobs. We're talking to Doug Holtz Eakin of the he's the president of the American Action Forum. Um, so, uh, California went for an eight percent increase from seven twenty five to uh, not eight percent, eighty seven percent increase from seven twenty five to uh, fifteen dollars an hour. Is that about as drastic as it gets? That's about as drastic as it gets. And, you know, that's just a huge shock to the labor market and to the business hiring decisions. You, you know, overnight, not of your own decision, you're faced with a much bigger bill for the people you have. And you've got to figure out, what do I do to come up with that money? Well, certainly you stop hiring. We see that in the data. You see pressure on prices, right? You're going to have to say, well, I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to raise prices for my stuff. Probably can't get away with that entirely. That means you start skimping on the other things you need to put into your business. You don't have a choice about your taxes, so that's out, but right. you've got to pay your rent. Maybe you don't actually you know, buy new equipment. You pass up a cycle. Now you're not as good a business. Chances of failure, much larger. Those jobs are gone entirely if you fail. The dynamics are very important, and people miss that when they just look at uh, the snapshot that says that that's a well-deserving person who we should pay fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, and eighty-seven percent from seven twenty-five to fifteen dollars, you just doubled your labor labor costs, not yeah. yours, somebody yeah. else's. If you pass the law, you know what does Bernie yeah, Sanders care? Um, I, you can do a lot of things, but you won't double double labor productivity overnight. So how are you going to manage that? That's a big, big economic hit. Uh, and the, the projection that California will lose one point two million jobs. By 2025, uh, is that directly as a result of the minimum wage increase? That's projections according to the American Action Forum. That's using the historical evidence on what happens when you raise the minimum wage and uh, applying it to the California business environment. You know, How many workers do they have? What's the skills? And, and what's the raise in the minimum wage? So uh, that's a... It, is that exactly right? Of course not. But it tells you the magnitude of the kind of impact that this can have. But, uh, Doug, here's the thing, though. I, I mean, this all seems so obvious to me. Um, and if you take the uh, – but you have to take the emotion out of it, I guess, in order to see how obvious it actually it is. So um, they're going to be making this argument from now till 2020. They'll be making it forever, actually. What is the argument that they make that they uh, – I mean, I'm sure that there's some of them out there who are actually – uh, genuinely believe that that the minimum wage can be raised and it will be, be good for everybody. What what the, what is it that makes them think it will work? And has it ever worked anywhere before? It, it's never worked. Um, I I can't honestly answer what they believe will make it work because here's the important insight: 
if you and I get together and decide we're going to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, there's no more money than there was before. It's the same money. It's not like we magically also created the money to pay it. So you're going to have to take it from someone else. So this is, in the end, fundamentally a question of, who am I going to rob to, to raise the $15 an hour? So they never talk about that that part. Well, so no, the, something has to go away. Bernie, and that Sa- makes it seem like it's magic. No, Bernie Sanders says you just take it from the CEO who's making twenty million dollars a year. Uh, that, I mean, I actually think he. I mean, I, I hope he's not that stupid, but he's a senator. I, I hope he's not so, that stupid, but he actually says it all the time that that's where the money's going to come from. Let, let's go back to uh, the, the point you made, which is the right point. Um, that's emotion. That's mm-hmm. I am going to be able to, to get even with that CEO, and I'm going to give it to this deserving individual. And, and you and I would agree, that's a, probably a great person. Like, we'd love for them to make more money. Sure. But it's not in the numbers. We only have a, one CEO per company, and we might have thousands of entry-level workers. And the arithmetic just doesn't add up. God, i got about a minute and a half left here, Doug. I'm against the hard break. Should there ever be a role for the government in determining what an employer pays his employees? Uh, I'm... I believe the answer is probably yes to avoid extreme exploitation of the type that we rarely see in the U.S., but I can understand that argument. I think the more realistic question is, who should make this decision? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer should be closer to the ground uh, always. And so if a municipality decides they want to have a higher minimum wage, okay, fine. I can choose to locate my business outside of that or go somewhere else. That's their decision. That's what Seattle did. I think it's unwise. They're going to lose a lot of jobs, but they did it. When the federal government says everybody, no escape, has to pay $15 an hour, that's something that's done without recognition of what's going on in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia or any place in in Pennsylvania in terms of do people have jobs? Are these economies growing? We know there are differences across uh, the state. Those should be reflected in the kinds of things you do. Uh, i got about 30 seconds now. I just wonder if uh, kids are being taught in school that – the minimum wage being raised is a good idea because I have a feeling they are. These teenagers, the ra- uh, it it is a good idea until you start figuring out where the money comes from. Yeah, and and then it turns into uh, not very good idea. Hey Doug, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, we'll be right back. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left and took all the reason. Have you heard the crack of the bat, the cheers of the crowd? Have you seen the smiles on the faces of the players as they take the field? I'm not talking about the Pirates. I'm talking about what's happening in Moon Township that can only be described as a miracle. This is John Stagerwald. With the help of Pirates Charities and people like yourself, the Miracle League of Moon Township has broken ground on a brand new ball field and adaptive playground where athletes with special needs can play regardless of their ability. At miraclesinmoon.org, you can see the stunning plans for the 9,500-square-foot playground and state-of-the-art ADA-compliant restroom facility with showers, wave technology, multi-level fountains and sinks, mechanical changing tables, and more. It's incredible. Our goal? To raise the remaining funds they need to bring it home by first pitch this September. Check it out at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate and make your tax-deductible gift today. That's miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. This message paid for by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. Social media marketing is on the verge of dominating commerce. The right social media strategy can help you slay the competition and gain new customers. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. Your competition is already social. Catch them and surpass them. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. We know how to make every digital dollar count towards sales success. Now there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Are you about to pay double for new windows, siding, or doors? If you haven't called Windows R Us, you just might. 
Many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, gutters, siding doors, and of course, windows. Windows R Us will never overcharge. You'll love their no-pressure approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months and up to $20,000 on new vinyl, fiberglass, or wood windows. With options like triple-pane glass and names like Pella, no hidden fees or surprises ever. Your no-loophole lifetime warranty covers everything, including glass breakage, at no additional cost. Mention AM1250 with your free estimate for an exclusive 10% off. Why pay double? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company, WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free. I want to personally thank all my Plug-In Pest Free customers who have taken the time out to call, write, and who have left messages to thank me for ridding their homes and businesses of unwanted rodent and pest problems. So from me to you, I thank you. Plug-In Pest Free is the only scientifically tested and, more importantly, consumer-proven electromagnetic pest management system since 1995. Why put up with those annoying rodents and pests any longer? Plug-in Pest Free is 100% chemical-free, making it your safest bet to manage your rodent and pest problems around your family and pets. With a 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code SAVE20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. gopestfree.com today. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So, you know, one of the things I like most about this show is that I, I get to play the music. I have to get to pick the music when I think of it after a segment. But it's also fun to watch the producer, Erin Byrne. She's 29. She hears songs she's never heard before. She never heard Take This Job and Shove It. See, when you're my age, you think that everybody has heard that song. But why would she have ever heard it? It was written in, or was recorded in, what, 1980 or something? Maybe earlier than that, 70s. Yeah, it's it's an old one. But, you know, take this job and shove it. And one last thing before I go. I I'm gonna, I got like this in a minute. But, uh, you know, I worked for a long time in TV. And uh, they pay they used to pay close attention to ratings. And uh, I don't understand how CNN's primetime lineup, I don't know how these guys keep their job. Um, Cooper, Anderson Cooper and uh, Chris Cuomo, their ratings are in the toilet. They're 15th in cable. They're getting just crushed by Fox and CNN, but they're also getting beat by the uh, Home and Garden Network and people like that and the USA Network. How do they keep their jobs? Maybe somebody can give me that answer. If you do, you know, give me a call, but I don't get it because you're supposed to get fired when your ratings stink that bad. But they're still working. So am I, at least until tomorrow. I'll see you then. Bye. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com